0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics Podcast. I'm Imran Laska, I'm a consultant radiologist and I'm back from, well, what felt like the brink, man. I had COVID last week, it was, it was terrible.
1: Oh, oh, <laughs> well, good, glad to hear you're feeling better, mate. Anyway, uh, so I'm Thushikun Wardner, I'm a cardiology
0: registrar, sub-specializing so in intervention. And we have a very special guest with us this week. Um, we have been trying to tee this up for quite a while. Uh, we've actually gone across the pond. Uh, all the way across the pond and please do introduce yourself. Very excited to have you with us today. Mm, Yes.
2: My name is Jamie Coleman and I am a trauma surgeon in the States, in the US.
0: Trauma surgeon. That's like literally the exact opposite of what I would yeah. want to do with my life. I feel like it's just busy. <laughs> there's blood. Yeah. There's it's just it's just too much, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. Genuinely, I. Re- but when
1: we were applying to medical school, we were basically saying that we wanted to be her, though, right? That's what we. That's just. Yeah. The pinnacle of- no. You go into
0: medical school thinking that yeah, this this would be cool job. This is what we're going to be. There, like, this is what no. going to do. And no,
2: here we the are. first <laughs> the first spray of blood, and we we you know we. That gets sorted out. That
0: gets yeah. Sorted. yeah, it's true. Genuinely, I used to be at a trauma center in London and then we used to have a trauma meeting every week. And then one of the trauma surgeons used to wear a GoPro. Do you wear a GoPro on your head? He wears a GoPro. I don't, GoPro but who on are, his head. are you
2: talking about? Because I know a fair number of the surgeons. I can't remember his like, name.
0: He's quite famous. He's quite famous and he's known for this. And so he wears a GoPro on his head and he was doing the surgery. And um, and he, he was showing us a video. I swear, I was stuck in the middle of the MDT, surrounded by people. And I was trying to look away and I was trying to like, <laughs> I you know, feel like I was going to be sick. And I was like, you okay, dude. I was like, I ain't okay, man. There's yeah. just too much blood on the screen right now. I can't take this.
2: Yeah. We're going yeah. to have to get notes later. So I know who that is. So I know who to, yeah. and who to yeah,
0: yeah. About that. <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit more about yourself, Jamie.
2: Sure. So, you know, it's a little bit different here in the U S you know, when I say a trauma surgeon, it looks very different than
3: from
4: mm.
2: how most of my colleagues practice in the UK. And, um, we, we Americans, we like guns and we <laughs> like to shoot each other. Um, yeah. So, because of that, it, it, it shapes the specialty in a sense that it's not, there aren't that many trauma surgeons in the UK because there's not enough volume to keep mm. you busy from an operative standpoint just from trauma.
4: Yeah.
2: Okay. Mm. So, it, it is a little bit different um, in that i do emergency surgery so i also do emergency general surgery um but i operate a lot on, oh on trauma um, and,
3: so
2: you know like i compare it so like i i did my residency i was a registrar in chicago and i was at cook county hospital and chicago and london are about the same metro population size Quite and enough. I was talking one day um, over in, over in London. They're talking about like, oh, you know, how busy is it? What's your busiest night? And I was like, well, my busiest night was twenty three gunshot wounds in one night.
1: Oh my word! Whoa. At my Whoa. hospital, wow.
2: just at my hospital. That's not all of Chicago. And I was like, how many gunshot wounds do you guys see? Like in London, they're like mm, in a month or. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh
2: my gosh! Um, so but it's like- interesting. It's it's just it's it. It's interesting to see, like, the social aspects of, like, the, like society and how that really influences medicine because, you know, it's truly a specialty that is fairly rare outside of, like, the U.S. and SA, South Africa. Oh,
0: gosh. Yeah, that's true. I mean, d- yeah.
1: So what volume, so, like, if you had to put it as a percent, I mean, this sounds bonkers to me that you could probably, yeah. on one list, have, like, so you're doing the general surgery and stuff. So you might have like I don't know a ruptured AAA or something. And then, but then, what kind of percentage of it is gunshot wounds? Then? Yeah. Say?
2: So, so where I'm at now, I'm an associate professor of surgery at the University of Louisville. And so mm. for our trauma center, um, we're fairly busy. I think we had 4,300 admissions wow. last year. So that's not patients that just came to A&E. Those are patients who were seen and then admitted to hospital. So we had 4,300 and almost 20% were penetrating trauma. So gunshot wounds, stab wounds. So if you do the math on it, I mean, I don't have the breakdown of gunshot wound versus stab wound off the top of my head. Hmm. Um, But our percentages here are obviously like almost the opposite of what you have in the UK. And that most or the vast majority of your penetrating trauma. Um, is a stab wound and you know particularly when we start talking about the type of gun and the type of ammunition uh, there's a reason that there's a saying um at least here in the states about bringing a gun to a knife fight
1: oh and yeah it's
2: like, too it's it's separate yeah it's, it's yeah. completely different um, yeah but
1: i know this from the tv like you have to get that you have to dig the bullet out don't you Whereas with the oh, knife, no,
2: well, not only, well, on, not only did the bullet out, otherwise the right. patient will not be saved, clearly. Right, okay. Uh, a metal bowl in one <laughs> of the bullet, so it clinked.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> that must does be so not satisfying.
2: Count. It does not count unless you have the sound effect. And for yeah, the record, yes. anyone, anyone's listening, I'm, I'm joking. We yeah. don't, <laughs> We don't take the bullets out. But when we do, oh, yes, we do find metal metal bowls, because that's just funny
0: yeah, fair mm. enough. <laughs> yeah i think I, i've got like one twitter a buddy and he he keeps sending me scans of uh, the unfortunate souls that have been shot and I, i've got to say it's for these scans are fascinating like I, we just don't see that kind of stuff in the uk that, i mean I, i'm almost thankful that is the case because some of it is horrendous some of it is but the pathology that you must get is just uh yeah incredible and um yeah and-
2: but- and you know, that's the thing is that I love so I, I teach this amazing course, I have to plug it with the Royal College of Surgeons, um, mm-hmm. DSTS. And mm-hmm. you know, it is aimed at teaching other consultant surgeons, and I love it. I love it so much because it's something that we do a lot of.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: if you don't do it a lot, you're just not as comfortable with it. And the surgeons there, they're so good. They're already trained. And you're just really kind of teaching like tips and tricks for things, because unfortunately we do have this experience. Mm. And again, though, it just, it's such an interesting concept that I have colleagues who yes, are across the pond, but you know, in a similar socioeconomic development level country Mm. that literally my field doesn't really exist there because of societal decisions and Mm. it's just it it's almost makes it more frustrating here because i know it doesn't have to be like this
1: Mm. that kind of leads us quite on well onto kind of um your well the line that's associated with you which is uh stay in your lane Um, I'd love for you to be able to, would you be able to tell us a bit more about how that came about being associated with you?
2: Absolutely. So here in the States, the NRA, the National Rifle Association, is a very big lobbyist of politicians. I mean, they give a lot of money. So then hopefully politicians make decisions and make laws or remove laws that are helpful to them. And the NRA posted on Twitter about how doctors needed to stay in their own lane. And I'm very fortunate, trauma surgery is just such an, an amazing community here in the States. And one of my good friends, Dr. Joseph Sacron, um, is a trauma surgeon now who actually has been a victim of gun violence oh. in the past.
4: Wow.
2: And along with some others, Dr. Bilal Joseph, you know, started using this hashtag, you know, like this is my lane. And this mm. is a why is it your lane? I mean, as mm. a National Rifle Association in this sense of, number one, just like we talked about, it doesn't have to be this way. When we're making laws and decisions that directly impact the health of our country, and my job is to contribute and improve, contribute to and improve the health of my community, and that's really what we do as physicians and doctors and surgeons. Mm -hmm. And it just, it was so ludicrous to Mm -hmm. me that they thought that injury prevention wasn't supposed to be part of my job. Hmm. When I'm the one, literally at times, feeling like I'm a, I am have a mop in a bloody room just <laughs> trying to hmm. clean up this mess, and you're gonna tell me this isn't, I can't comment on this? Hmm. I have more direct experience with gun violence than probably almost, the vast, I mean, I want to say almost any, but almost any member of NRA. Mm. I mean, it's Mm. not about gun rights. That's not what we're discussing. And I think that that's where here in the States, you know, people hear gun violence and they automatically start thinking, oh, gun rights. No, these are two separate topics.
4: Mm. And Mm.
2: they were conflating the two to try and silence physicians. And they've done this where for a long time we, there was no money, there was no government money to support research and gun violence because they didn't want to know the answer because they know deep down what the answer is that we can do better.
4: Yeah. Mm.
2: And so that's kind of where it started. Um, And I think a lot of us have just kind of grown it. You know, we start talking about COVID or we start talking about sexism or racism and medicine where it's when these factors they don't stay outside the hospital doors. Hmm. right? It's not like sexism or racism or gun violence, you know, like that just stops at the hospital doors and doesn't come inside the hospital. Of course, it comes inside the hospital. Because one of my um, favorite sayings I picked up from a registrar um, I was giving a talk to talking about who we are outside of the white coat is who we are in the white coat. Hmm. And there's so much like, oh, I love that statement because there's so much with it in terms of the things that we add to the white coat because of who we are and our experiences. But also, too, realizing that our lives don't stop at the front doors of hospital.
1: Yeah, totally. So, I- you
2: know, I think it just, it, I love this statement because it, it does. You know, it's, it's one of those that we have to think about this. If we're going to make things better for people and we're going to continue to improve people's health and people's quality of life, we have to figure out, what impacts that quality of life and what impacts that care. And it's not Mm. just the medications I'm giving or the operations that I'm doing in hospital.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I always think that when people say, oh, you know, um, I, 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 have, I have seen kind of medical colleagues saying something along the lines of, I don't want to be political, which I think kind of speaks to a great amount of privilege from their situation. Because if you don't appreciate all the different factors that kind of like play into a person's condition, then I, you're kind of, you're, you're blind, really, and missing like a whole aspect of well, disease and, you know, and a person. So, um, yeah, I completely agree. Um, well, I did wanted to, uh, to talk about, well, interestingly, you mentioned about being the person inside and outside of the white coat, because there was a tweet uh, very recently from Ross Moy, and he tweeted um, on the 27th of March, and he was talking about, so he works... As a pre um, hospital emergency medic. Um, but outside of his job role, he came across an accident and he did a really uh, interesting 13 tweet thread. And he said, sorry that it was rambly, but it's actually an excellent uh, contemplative, reflective thread, where he talked about how, as a passerby, he had to kind of deal with an accident and how it was very different. Uh, to his job role and I was just kind of wondering if that's something that you can relate to obviously you see a lot of accidents but in your kind of a uh, job role do, um, did you have any thoughts on the thread
2: well number one is a great thread I love this and it was interesting to I actually love one of the things I do have to highlight is where he said one very interesting observation is that most people still assume that any female healthcare provider is a nurse
3: oh and yes we, that was
2: himself and he was with a colleague and that the immediate assumption was that she was a nurse. And I loved though, that he pointed that out.
4: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's really where I see that. I see hope and progress in things because if you ask a female surgeon 20 years ago, if they were treated differently, they're going to like, yeah, that's hmm. not, I mean, that's not really the question. The question is asking, surgeons who look, you know, I have to use my finger like quotation marks,
4: <laughs> yeah. but,
2: you know, who look like surgeons asking them to open their eyes to seeing how their colleagues are treated. And that recognition and that acknowledgement is what's going to help us all move forward. So I just, mm-hmm. I love that. It seems, it, it could seem small, but I think particularly as a female where, yes, I am, obviously routinely assumed to be anything but a physician and definitely not a trauma surgeon. Um, Mm. (laughs) you know, and, and I think too to speak on that for half a second is that I think there's a lot of misconception in that. I think Mm. that some people take that as, Oh, well no one knows who anyone is or why do you care if they know who you are? Like, in other words, like, why are you making this a big deal? And I think the point of it is to understand that when I have patient interactions, I am starting at a different point than a lot of my male colleagues, where Mm. uh, there's an initial, there's an automatic trust because they look like how you think they should look. So you assume that there's knowledge there. Like you're giving the benefit of the doubt and that a lot of female physicians and surgeons don't get. And so you're almost starting in a hole a lot of times with patient relationships, trying to prove that you know what you're doing, that they should trust you to do their surgery, that you are experienced, those sorts of things. So I do think that it impacts, you know, patient doctor relationships and even patient satisfaction. I mean, there are times Mm -hmm. one of my female colleagues, you know, had a family who basically launched a huge complaint with the hospital that they'd never met their surgeon.
1: Oh, God.
2: So she finally had to go to them and walk in front of them and say, Do you remember me? Did you Hmm. see me? And I, despite the fact you're wearing the MD badge, you know, the doctor badge, the doctor hat, the doctor, like, I mean, you could, like, tattoo doctor. Like,
4: on- head.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it still does not penetrate for some people. And she literally had to go in front of them and say, you remember seeing me? And they, well, they're they like, well, of course we saw you. Hmm. But she was, you know, landing in hot water with her hospital. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, it's not just a matter of, oh, no one knows who I am and I'm going to pitch a fit about it. No, it's just an acknowledgement that you're starting relationships in a different way. And sometimes that is at a disadvantage as opposed to, you know, particularly like here in the say you know, white males. Because when I say males, I really, you know, to highlight my. Colleagues of color, you know, Mm -hmm. they have the same, even if they're male, they have the same and oftentimes an even greater degree, I'd say probably majority of the time, a greater degree of this than I experience as a white woman
0: you know this this whole scenario i didn't realize how much it really plays out so often like i think the i think we had a tweet that happened a while ago i don't even remember through but there was a, a young lady and she just qualified as a doctor and she went out with her family and then they told the restaurant to give this cake out cuz their their kid had just become a doctor and they gave that congratulatory cake to the the sun (laughs) yeah right in front of everyone and it was just like wow I mean how many more situations can this entire idea of females not being doctors or the possibility of being a doctor play out you know it just seems to be I don't know is it in storybooks is it like when we're watching tv that we only see the male person being a doctor like where does this come from why where is issue happening
2: you know I try to think of it from the benefit of the doubt In this sense, I'm actually reading this really interesting book right now It's talking about, you know, neural pathways, right? Mm. And thoughts. And then, in fact, the majority of our day is really coming from memory, even though you don't think about Mm. it. In this Mm. sense, when you see someone you know, you're remembering them. But it's so automatic. Mm. It's not like it's a conscious sort of, oh, I remember who you are, you know, in terms of your Mm. spouse or your kid or whatever. And so a lot of our day is spent around assumptions. You assume Hmm. your car is going to start because 99 times out of 100 or 999 times out of 1,000, it has. You assume Hmm. this chair isn't going to break when you sit Hmm. in the chair. That so much of our daily actions in life is built off of memories and Hmm. assumptions.
3: Hmm.
2: And so the truth is that the vast majority of surgeons, in particular, are male. That is a mm. fact. Mm. And so, odds are, if you play that out, any surgeon that they have met has likely been male. Mm. And the over, and even to a greater degree on the nursing side of things, the vast majority of nurses are female. Mm. So again, what happens is you have these neural pathways, and so it's this initial sort of subconscious assumption. That instead of raising it to the conscience and asking instead of assuming. And that's mm. what I tell everyone. It's like, if you don't know who someone is, ask them. What is your
4: mm. role? Mm. You
2: know, I'm so sorry we haven't met. I am so-and-so. This is my role. You know, really trying to elevate that to a conscious level, I do think it's difficult. And I try to think. The best of everyone and it mm. you know and I, I truly do i don't think it's malicious but just because it's not malicious doesn't mean it has it doesn't have an ill effect mm. and i think that's where too people couple will you know it's not malicious or malignantly done well it doesn't mm. mean it doesn't i mean same thing you can assume a lot and you don't mm. mean to be a jerk when you assume something
4: mm. but
2: sometimes that is kind of you know, there can be ill effects of your assumptions. It's curious, have you all watched Ted Lasso?
1: Oh, I keep having it recommended to me. It's on Amazon, isn't it? Is it on Amazon? What? Really,
0: okay. Apple. Yeah, I haven't seen that.
1: Apple TV, oh, that's come it. come on. Yeah. Oh, My okay. brother's oh, always like telling me to watch it. Uh, it's about a football okay. team or something. I'd will
2: to watch it. Yeah, see, 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 it's about football. Come on, you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
1: football.
2: Don't say that.
1: Like a, isn't it some American guy who like, yeah. Coaches I'm like, hmm, what are so it's an
2: American football coach who goes over <laughs> to coach a football, you know, UK football, um mm. in the UK. Anyway doesn't make any
1: sense. I think that's the problem. I'm just like uh, what
2: Correct <laughs> And it's brilliant. It is right. so okay so good. Anyways, but part of the thing is that there's a scene and I'm not gonna ruin it since y'all haven't watched it, but where this coach starts talking about assumptions and if people mm. just stayed curious and asked questions
3: Hmm.
4: like
2: how different things would be and how much you would learn about other people and how much Hmm. you know deeper relationships would be and how you wouldn't make an ass of yourself by assuming somebody is somebody that isn't so it's interesting so yeah to me i kind of liken it to this whole you gotta stay curious
0: but this is um I don't know whether we're reading the same book here, because it sounds very familiar to um, "The Elephant in the Brain," and they were talking a lot about how um, the survival mechanism of human beings is to make assumptions and make assessments of your surroundings. So, if you go into a room, and you know, if you've got, um, if you if you're kind of coming to a room thinking that there could be there could be a problem that happens in the room, it could be a fire. Your your mind is already thinking about where's a fire exit. You know, if I need to run, where do I need to go to? And so the same thing happens when you meet people like you already, you know, if some if some uh, doctor walks in and goes into the room uh, to everyone instead of saying hi, you're going to start to be thinking like, oh, who is this person? Where are they from? Are they a doctor? Are they not a doctor? It, it starts to play on your mind straight away. And I think part of, um, yeah, part of sort of uh, growing up is sort of understanding that actually your assumptions are based on a lot of bias that needs to be dealt with some other time. And I've spoken very openly where I'm I'm extremely embarrassed by this one situation where I was actually at work and a, a black colleague walked in and he asked a question, he walked out. And I, for some reason, in the back of my head, thought he must have been one of the reception staff. And so embarrassingly, I realized later he's actually a radiologist as well. And we became very good friends, but I felt so, so terrible. And I had to really deal with like, why on earth did I think that? What is it about me that's wrong with me that I, I've made that assumption? And um and so since that, I've, I've constantly, you know, stop myself from ever thinking that because it's not a nice thing to think but people don't do that right they don't ask themselves why do they think that happens and move on and they don't think about it if you want to get better you got to ask why why do i do that
2: and i think part of it too is also taking some of the guilt away from it in that Hmm. it is this is done at the very basic subconscious levels of our brain Hmm. it comes from a variety of things and i think Where people go wrong is not that necessarily you have the subconscious thought.
4: Hmm. Where
2: the wrong to me comes in is when you don't ask yourself the question that you 100% did. When you don't Hmm. raise it to the conscious and say, and then do that introspection. And then again, we'll talk about the neural pathways, forming a new neural pathway so that the next Hmm. time you see somebody, you don't have that thought. That's where I think the guilt or the blame lies. It's not necessarily in these, again, gut sort of subconscious assumptions, because you're right. That's how our brain is wired for survival. But I mm. think, and I say this in, in truly, you know, like a non-malignant like you did. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, you know, it's not like you see a, a black person and your subconscious tells you a racial slur. Like, but mm. you know, something like this where you make a mistake, but then you thought about it. Because Mm. we are all wired to make these assumptions. We are all wired to have these biases. I think Mm. where the true um, metal lies is in the people who realise it, talk about Mm. it, and introspect.
1: Yeah, realise that you can get stuff wrong and try and change Mm. and realise. Because I think so much, especially when you see it on the internet, don't you, like people who double down and they basically um, conflate being wrong with being a bad person therefore they can't right. accept being wrong and if they get called out mm. for being wrong they're like but i'm a good person I'm like yeah okay that's not really in doubt but there's something wrong with this opinion here and you need to try you know you yes. need to see it from this perspective and they can't do that mm. yeah it's very
2: interesting but you're right it is a total conflation of making a mistake and being wrong
0: mm.
2: to being a bad person there's a difference
0: yeah i mean Making assumptions comes up on this week's Twitter feed as well, doesn't it, Thrusha? So we had uh, Tom Simpson, Doctor Tom, nineteen eighty-one, and he talks about fascinating finals, Oski. So in the UK, we got these uh, exam situations, We get actors and actresses, and they kind of reenact a scenario. And they said, "I examined recently where sex and relationships were a very relevant component of the history. All twelve students assumed without question that the patient was heterosexual. Not one questioned it. They all finished with plenty of time left." So this is another one of those sort of biases that is based very much on your own upbringing where you're from who you've interacted with where you just assume that if you do meet a couple you're talking male and female like what other, what other kind of couple is there but it's what we were speaking about earlier like if you're going to if you're going to treat people society as a whole you need to understand that society as a whole is not the way that you've been brought up you necessarily be the way that you're brought up to believe it to be right and exactly about staying in your lane and all that kind of thing like you have to sort of understand that um you know the in your mind male and female you know or you know what people identify themselves as male and female is not the only kind of family or relationships that can exist and that can have health implications or not but the point is you shouldn't be making these assumptions but there was a reply to that wasn't there (laughs) that Therusha, you you were uh, quite uh, you know impressed. I got, by it. Not yeah, impressed I got not impressed by, it, but it got you. It, it
1: yeah. got me, got me, got me, got me involved. I have waded in. There's basically this person responded. I won't, yeah. But it goes. Your point is, surely a finals exam is not the place to set a gender bias trap for candidates, and then publicly brand them homophobes. Did you set the question? And it kind of it it kind of curates. I don't know in my mind this idea. I mean, like he called it a gender bias trap. What the hell is that?
3: Yeah,
1: I know. <laughs> so, I don't know.
3: <laughs> no,
2: no. I was on this because again, like this idea that it's a trap, that it's a trick. How is it yeah.
4: a
1: trick?
2: Two people exist. If someone is in a homosexual relationship versus, like, how is that a trap? That's life. How is that a trap or a yeah, trick?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think it, doesn't it speak to that person's experiences that they can they can only perceive the existence of a homosexual relationship as a kind of gotcha like haha we've got you like uh, oh, as yeah. opposed to existing mm. in reality like it's, look, it's
4: look. A, right,
2: like it's some random zebra
1: yeah look at me. <laughs> um, like yeah.
2: It's some random rare event yeah
1: exactly that
2: someone couldn't think of i mean mm. it dumb.
1: it's amazing I I just scrolled down actually and I saw as I replied saying what happens if you get caught in a gay trap and the person who's replied to me has deleted their account I'm like oh okay fair enough
0: Mm, (laughs) very well you you brought out cancellation (laughs) (laughs) Um, but we had some very um, interesting replies to other tweets as well didn't we so Bella Roschetti she is a medical student and she's been twittering away and she was tweeting that things I wish I'd known before studying medicine so I know there is a difference between the US system and the UK system so then this may highlight a few differences between us so Jamie you could tell us what you think so pay is going down year on year so that's one thing which is very true for us because we haven't had pay go up with inflation so we've Actually, essentially had a pay cut. The hourly rate is barely more than minimum wage. It definitely maybe the case, especially when you're working long hours, etc. Full-time hours are more than the full-time 48 hours, which actually seems like actually in America. Um, 48 hours is probably a walk in the park. And um, yeah, and you'll be a junior doctor for more than 10 years after graduation, which may not actually be true in America either. And the culture is toxic as beep. I can't say that word because I'll get in trouble. Um, so, yeah, so, but that's the thing, like people were, for us anyway, these are truths. And I mean, Jamie, maybe you could tell us like how much of this is true for you guys and how much you guys can relate to. And we can talk about some of the replies that came in for this as well.
2: So, you know, to first kind of go through um, some of the differences, because I think that highlights it and again, it just makes our system look worse. Um, full-time <laughs> hours are more than full-time. So her third point is 48 hours. Uh, our trainees are limited to 80 hours.
0: Oh.
2: Um, and this is a fairly re- I say fairly recent. Um, I was in medical school. I think I was in my last year of medical school when the 80 hour work week came.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, you know, not ancient. Um, and you again should have like the hubbub, particularly in surgery. How dare you tell us that we can limit our people to only 80 hours? This is impossible. Our surgeons aren't going to be trained well if they don't train for mm. 100 hours a week. I mean, and there's still some rhetoric. and luckily that has gotten better, where people um, are you know very concerned and were very concerned about the quality of surgeons because they only worked 80 hours a week for five years. So, yes. you know, wow. I don't what we talk about do with I mean Gal of America. Um, <laughs> and then the junior doctor for greater than 10 years after graduation. And you know, we you and I we we've talked about this a little bit that yeah, this is where the system I think there are pros and cons and that being a junior, junior doctor in the NHS there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, it mm. seems to on the outside with applying for positions and training places and centers and hospitals and cities can change, you know, versus in the U S you in general, um, in general, not every time, but, you know, particularly for surgery, if you match, you know, at a place, you stay there for the five years. Um, mm. So there's not, you know, every once in a while they're, Not every once in a while. There are some spots that are only for one year, but that is the minority. Um, um, The junior doctor for greater than 10 years after graduation, that's just tough. That is a little bit different um, Um, than here. Um, The hourly rate has gone up here in the U.S., um, and it goes up each year that you are you know so now whether it's on track with inflation i cannot tell you but the problem is you combine that with the hours and yeah i mean you're you're look i don't know what minimum wage in the uk is but it's um
1: but you guys fly helicopters right whereas (laughs) you you guys have all got helicopters you know you know med
0: twitter is convinced that u.s medical u.s medics fly around in helicopters? helicopters yeah is that not true because i was is that not true, hey, Jamie? Do you don't have a helicopter? how many helicopters on? do you have by now? Uh, like, yeah. I mean,
2: like everybody is for like personal transport or like pre-hospital. <laughs> to get to work and back. Yeah, no, uh, we don't have a helicopter.
3: Oh. The other
2: kicker is we do four years of college or university, and then we do four mm. years of medical school, and uh, that's expensive. Yeah. So
4: yeah.
2: So medical school easily for four years is three hundred thousand U.S. Um, and the vast wow. majority of us, myself included, I don't have a family that, you know, could pay for that. So I have a lot of debt that I don't start mm. paying on, and you don't typically really start paying on your debt till you're finished with training. And I did again surgery's the longest training um, in the U.S. and then of course mm. I added on more training
4: because that's all
2: you have to do. So, yeah, um, I don't fly helicopters, but, you know, if I had to pick, I would totally pick a private jet over a helicopter, though.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's true. I'm just going to cancel my MLEs, though. I'm just cancelling mine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But, so, yeah, Yeah. I mean, in terms of, you know, the culture, um, Mm. I think medicine, and, and I'll say surgery in particular, we've had a lot of work to do. I think Mm. we, as a system now, are acknowledging it, we're talking about it. You know, wellness, burnout, um, depression, physician suicide, you know, it's it's talked about now in a way that it wasn't even really 15 years ago. So is it where we need to be? No, but are we better? And I think, are we progressing? Are we making progress? Absolutely.
1: I mean, so I mean, the fact that burnout and stuff is in the conversation, right? Surely 80 hours a week, Isn't that generally, are not you guys so like, that's quite, that's still quite a lot, right? Is there like a movement to change that in any kind of really robust (laughs) or kind of clear way? Or is it kind of like, yeah, it's terrible. Anyway, off to what, you know, do you know what I mean? How is it kind of spoke about?
2: So, well, it's interesting. And I think, um, because one is, what I said was trainees are limited.
1: My hour. (laughs) Right. I've done
2: up to 110 hours in a week before in the hospital.
1: And you don't even get a helicopter, wow. for God's sake. Oh, man, yeah. What is, what what is that <laughs> That's, I, mean, yeah.
2: I would just take a, a Cadbury. Like, I mean, decent chocolate. <laughs> because we don't have <laughs> out a rubbish here. So, like, I mean, you know, I don't really need a helicopter.
1: But, um, no, Cadbury's been ruined as well. It's been bought by Kraft, hasn't it? And so, like, it's all...
2: No, in the States, yes. But it's yeah. different in the UK. It's okay. better. Trust me. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, oh. I'm like a Cadbury cream egg, like, connoisseur. And um, <laughs> hypothetically, I buy them from the UK.
1: Wow! <laughs> so now we know well, what we need to get you when you come to the UK, right? So cream correct. eggs, yeah. and your tea cream, egg. cream
0: eggs, and and,
2: yeah, <laughs> tea. And, yeah. um, and then what I do because I'm such a good mom is I buy the American Cadbury. <laughs> <mom, laughs>
0: American kids
2: eat, eat the rabbit. <laughs> Pellets <laughs> are not refined enough for this, okay?
1: Uh,
2: <laughs> um, so, yes. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and the point is, should, should anyone work 100 hours in a week? And the short version is no. Um, you know, I love, like, the irony of the fact that my research is in sleep deprivation, which is
4: mm.
2: part of my life. Um, sleep deprivation is real. And I think right now what we're facing in the States in a slightly different way, is a numbers problem in the fact that, you know, we graduate around 1,000 surgical trainees a year and Mm -hmm. have for the past 30 years. So similar to the fact that your pay has been going down because you haven't risen with inflation, the number of surgeons we're producing per capita continues to drop because we're not responding to population needs. And Mm -hmm. then additionally, that's, that's 1,000. 80% 80% go into a fellowship and go into specialty training. So mm. when you start talking about how many trauma surgeons do we really train a year, how many do we need, where are they located, all these things, it's it's a math problem because at a level mm. one center, which is like our, our busiest center, like your MTCs, um, mm. major trauma centers, um, they – I have 24 hours a day, 365 days a year that I need surgeons to be in the hospital. Now that's mm. assuming that I'm not at such a busy place that I need two surgeons in the hospital. And there are a number of programs such as that. So then you start having a numbers problem because then you've mm. got 365 times two. You have, yeah. you know what I mean? So you start having you know 730 days a year that you have to fill with one person. And it's just, we are poorly allocated Um, in the sense that (laughs) gotta love the states, we like money, although, again, Mm -hmm. I don't have the helicopter. Um, Trauma centers, unlike, it was funny, actually, my first time I was in the UK and I was talking to one of the surgeons there and I was like, oh, well, how many major trauma centers do you have in London and where are they located? And he was like, well, we have four. We have one in each quadrant, like southeast, southwest, northwest, northeast. And I was like, oh, well, That actually makes sense. In the the U.S., any hospital can attempt to be a trauma center and apply for verification as a trauma center, whether there's two more down the street or not.
1: Really? Wow. So the problem
2: is we're we're creating a system in which we have hospitals that are trauma centers that shouldn't be because they're not needed from a population standpoint. And then we have some areas that are completely underrepresented. And so then you're taking a small employee pool a small mm. pool of trauma surgeons and you're just putting them in wrong places. Um mm. so you know, so point being is we work a lot and I wish the eighty hours a week stopped. Now, do I work consistently eighty hours a week every single week? No, I do not. Like my trainees. Mm. I mean, so this is not to minimize their workload. Um mm. but yeah, our system is jacked.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we're I think
4: technical work. A lot-
0: <laughs> a lot of places are are struggling with like training numbers, getting enough doctors out there. And, and um, you know, it's difficult, isn't it? It's just and I don't know like whether I mean, when I think about it, would I really recommend anyone? You know, when I saw this particular tweet talking about wh- things that they wish they knew, I related all of those things, like, especially the final one where they said it was a bit toxic. And I thought, yeah, you know, I've met some very, very odd people over the years. And, um, it's not the kind of people I thought I'd be interacting with in what is known as a bit of a caring profession. And I've I've said this before, (laughs) like, you know, I've said this before, like the outcome generally is good, but the intentions behind it don't always have to be good. Right. So people could be after money, but then actually help people. People could be after status, but still still help people. And it's those ones that you find difficult to really sort of square, you know, you start to find difficult to really, um, understand and, you know, figure out like why are you even here in the first place? Um, I mean, but changing. Of, uh, speaking of changing cultures, there was another tweet um, about, well, I don't know whether changing cultures, but it was funny because it was like I couldn't even imagine doing this. A medical student turned up at the end of uh, a ward round today, interrupted the consultant mid-thought, who they'd never met before, and asked for an end-of-placement sign-off wearing a tracksuit. Um, so obviously tracksuit may mean something slightly different to you, to, to you, Jamie. You're saying that you're probably thinking full full on run DMC style <laughs> <mean>, tracksuit. <laughs> like
4: when I think of tracksuit,
2: like I, I, I think of either like 1980s, like, you know, DMC, but I think of like a matching top, matching pants <laughs> in some sort of yeah. athletic material, like, you know, like the J-Lo when she was Ginny from the block.
4: <laughs> yeah, <know>. yeah. <laughs>
2: You know, like, like, that's kind of where I was going with this, with the tracksuit. This is why we are, you know, was it two nations divided by a common language? Um,
4: But,
2: yeah, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, uh, I, you know, I'm in scrubs right now, and this is what I wear to work. So I am Mm. not a formal, like, I wear, you know, at work. Like, I don't, Mm. I mean, kids, let's be honest, like, a suit and heels in the trauma bay yeah. yeah probably it.
0: not.
2: I mean, just gonna yeah. throw it out. But, um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm in a fairly relaxed profession. I mean, a tracksuit is a look. I mean, that yeah. is that's that's a look. But you know, I think actually the thing I loved about this tweet was actually the update.
3: Yeah.
2: Was <laughs> two more med students turned up in almost identical way, although one was well, wearing better quality tracksuit
1: that's a judgment like there a judgment there
2: yeah i feel like well i mean it's scotch judgy but i feel like i need i need photos like in like i need <laughs> rules definitions like better quality tracksuit versus yeah. like i mean i'm model.
0: just gonna i'm just gonna say I, I there must have been a band and maybe one is a lead singer i mean that's the only <laughs> way i can see this He's 17 yeah fair enough yeah, exactly so, yeah yeah i mean
1: what would you how about if I pose a question to you both? Because you're both consultants consultant, you know. So, um, Imran, if you were in the reporting office, you had your dictaphone in hand, you're reporting that another normal chest X-ray, and a, some, <laughs> a medical student walks in, slaps the dictaphone out your hand, and says, can you sign me off? And they're wearing a Adidas, and it's a baby blue tracksuit, Nike Air Maxes, completely spotless clean. Okay, uh, wh- how do you react? <laughs> Uh,
0: first of all I think one, that on just happen I got, I got <laughs> to get slapped like why Is that, yeah. <laughs> and then and then after that I'd be a bit genuinely I don't think I could take them very seriously uh, that's just my personal I just uh, maybe that's just that's, me I'd just that's... be like but would you wow. sign them off do you sign them off uh, yes i do yeah, exactly. but most of the time but this is the same way okay so jamie don't judge me but i don't really i'm not really out for a conversation half the time so if i can get rid of people quickly what? by signing a piece of paper i'm i'm happy to do it well, like that's
2: just, why, just i mean your patients are like on screens and my patients are asleep so um...
0: <laughs> exactly like, just so you know
2: work involved if you don't sign them off would be yeah, my guess yeah
0: cool. exactly. exactly so yeah. exactly right
2: and emails and phone calls and meetings yeah. and more emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I would sign them off to you, but I mean, I, I would laugh. I mean, I would, I, I would have to have a chuckle over
0: that Yeah, one. yeah I would I'd probably text Risha about it and say, yeah, that you exactly. don't believe what happened to me. I just got slapped. <laughs> I saw a reply that was
1: like, mate, these guys are paying 9K for, for a year. They can wear what they want. And I'm like, yeah, fair enough, whatever. But like, fair. ultimately, like, um, absolute power move. Got to respect the balls. I could never do it. But got to respect that. I mean, that.
2: no, that's gutsy. I mean, yeah. that is full on, like, there's, it's on, it's so out there that you kind of have to respect it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's um, so
0: true. It really is. Yeah.
1: So there's this kind of spinoff thread, wasn't there, from Julia Sabella? He asks, um, mm. what's the ballsiest thing that you've ever done as a medical student? <laughs> um, and well, mm. someone said so she, Julia said I got I, I said someone said because she's changed her avatar to like this really creepy like mouse thing anyway, um, yeah I, I didn't recognise it at first yeah, but yeah I got feedback that I was incredibly inappropriate for not prefacing asking about recreational drug history with sorry we have to ask everyone this I really disagree with doing that we had a heated mm. conversation I told him his stigmatising attitudes were incredibly inappropriate that's pretty ballsy that's awesome well done wow uh, that's pretty good but, um, mm. I wasn't really what I was thinking about with ballsy. I guess when we were in the tracksuit vein, you know, I guess I was wondering about other ballsy things. Have you, did you do anything ballsy? I was, oh, yes, we know. We have a ballsy. Oh, did you want to share the ballsy story?
2: I mean, I can I just sound like such a jerk, though, when I tell this story. <laughs> alpha. You
1: just sound like an alpha. I think you should yeah, definitely boom. say yeah,
0: go like, for it. Eh.
2: No, I just, I was a medical student. I was in my last year in my defense. And I had a final year medicine registrar. I was on my medicine rotation and he was struggling to get a subclavian line. And I mean, you know, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm I'm watching and, you know, the poor patient was awake, tolerating it fine. Hmm. To the most part. I mean, as much as you're getting your chest like stuck with yeah. big nails. But um, you yeah. know, and and so um Uh, I, uh, very politely, in my opinion, (laughs) kindly (laughs) offered um, to place the line for him. Um, And surprisingly, like, I look back on this. Like I said, I mean, you know, he's three years in training. He's in his final year. He's about to be a consultant. And some medical student is telling him, like, eh, Alloway, dude, I got this. <laughs> um, and he says, okay. Um, but I actually I felt poorly for it because I did get it and I got it on the first stick. Um, and he was kind of I, I give him mad props. He was very gracious about it. Um, yeah. and then I was kind of embarrassed, like, ooh, sorry. It just yeah. jumped in front of the needle. I don't know
0: what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my skill. So humble, humble. It so was
2: <laughs> I think back though to like some medical student even asking. And me with the confidence and the assumption of like, oh, I'll get it. Just, you know, move out of the way.
3: Well oh, the funny thing
1: wow. is he said that he said yes. And he might have been straight he might have been waiting for you for ages, start He's probably like trying to be like, What is she gonna ask me? Oh god, what's someone gonna relieve me of this? he's probably was like, please, someone else, just try. So, you know, awesome, I don't know about that. Uh <laughs> and
2: luckily it was just it was just the two of us in the like it wasn't in front of a consultant, like it wasn't in front of anyone else, thank goodness. Um and he like I said, he was very lovely and, and let me try. But I think I think it was more of like a oh yeah, sure, I've already tried a bunch, you're not gonna to get it
0: either. <laughs>
2: it's not exactly what that played out. I think but... um,
0: I, I think I did I'm something real, I mean part. I'm 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 going to be a bit I don't know man. Okay so allegedly this may have happened okay so <laughs> I may may have not turned up I may not have turned up to a placement very often, and I may have turned up on the last day to try and get signed off because I heard we need to get signed off. And I may, uh, and so we may have gone on a ward round, and the consultant was like, "Okay, uh, you can you go do a neuro exam on this patient." And mate, I mean, me and a neuro examination, or any examination in general, wasn't great. I think I approached the yeah, patient on the wrong side.
2: Worst one though. Yeah. You have to have tools
0: yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah. It's I, just but so long. you know, I couldn't even do a chest examination, let alone a, a, a neuro. <laughs> so I went on the wrong side of the bed. So that was one thing. And then yeah. I, I just kind of just flapped around a bit, and then I think it just got really obvious that i would never even seen a patient before in my life. And then I <laughs> sent the consultant and said, "Look, just stop what you're doing and come over here." So I went over, and I thought, "Oh great, here we go." Then he looked at the red straw and says, "Why is this guy not know how to do a neuro examination?" And I thought, "What on <gasps> oh, earth is no. happening?" And he goes, "So you have basically not taught this guy anything. <gasps> like, how long have you been on this placement for?" And I was like, four weeks and he goes four weeks and you've not learned anything and he started having a go at the registrar and i was like i can't believe this is happening mate like i feel bad for you but i also need to survive (laughs) (laughs) and you know what the consultant apologized to me and signed me off can you believe it oh (laughs) wow allegedly tell me the
2: registrar had a conversation with you after like the consultant no no
0: no no no. I left I never came back I knew what happened I knew it was a blue once in a it was never gonna happen I I thought this is never gonna happen again I need to get out of here and I need to get here now and I I got out of there
1: you're like part of the super (laughs) villain's origin story like that's one of the things that like
0: you know broke this poor I mean I feel
2: like we need this registrar to hear this podcast
0: and like oh man to to that registrar I'm sorry but what I will also say is that clearly you two had problems already like (laughs) this guy clearly did not like you for whatever reason i had no idea why i don't know what the story was that's but true. he just rounded on him straight away there was something else going on there that i was not involved with that had nothing yeah, to do with me know, so i'm problem. just saying it may have happened it may not have happened oh God, <laughs> yeah i have to say allegedly a lot on this uh, podcast unfortunately <laughs> but moving on to a sweeter a sweeter subject so that we kind of get over i don't get hopefully don't get any trouble for that um we had phil lee talking about new season new game yeah, three euros buying ice cream for yourself and your fourth at so. So he gave a list. So Phil Lee, I don't know if you know him, but he's a bit of a bit of a, a, a med Twitter hero, uh, a big deal. Right. And um, he was asking everyone what kind of ice cream they'd have. And I know the Americans There are, you know, I think I went to Chicago on a conference and I asked for I think I had some. Pa- I went to a pancake place, a very famous pancake place. I can't remember what it is. That's how famous it is. In Chicago? But, yeah, in Chicago. Chicago yeah.
2: What was it called? Bongo room?
0: I think that might be it. Yeah, it's like quite or, near that big, big statue, like that big, weird, uh, like statue original thing. Original Pancake House. Original Pancake House. That's the one. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Fun. Original uh, Pancake they're House.
2: They're amazing. Good
0: choice. The portions, though, my word. Are American. What is that? Yeah, unbelievable. The yeah. Even the child's portion. The child's portion was like. Th- Three plates. and yeah. like oh, My kid is never gonna eat that. Like how, we can't <laughs> even eat that. What is that?
3: <laughs> <laughs> my
2: kid would, but my kids are huge. So like it's kind of embarrassing.
0: How big my kids oh really? Are. Wow. Good for you, mate. I mean my, my kids are Bangladeshi. Well half Pakistani Bangladeshi. they're, they're not that big. They're never gonna eat that. <laughs> it's <laughs> never gonna happen. They don't have stomachs for this kind of thing. Um it oh, was but the funny thing is is
1: that you hate to throw stuff away, so you must have been finishing their plates
0: and No no no. I had to I had to take away. I had to, oh, I you know, too. actually take it home and but keep eating in the, the hotel room. <laughs> yeah, it was literally... It basically fed the entire week. I was having pancake for the rest of the week from that one meal, from the child's meal.
2: Was great choice. It, was, yeah, it was,
0: it was. I think I had some just, I had to do some sort of disgusting Oreo pancake. Like, it was just unbelievable. It was so, just brilliant. Absolutely so going back, to the, going
1: back to the tweet, though, the back to the tweet, because we yeah. thought it would be interesting because, you know, in the States, you guys i mean your ice creams are just going to be a whole other level to our kind of like crappy three euro things but we thought that maybe (laughs) you might take pity on us and play this game so of these so you you reckon you said you recognize some of them yes i mean
2: i would probably go with i can't see i'm trying to like blow it up just like Uh, the extreme what is that is that strawberry on top like the one
1: Extreme looks like a cornetto to me, so it's kind of oh, so you get a strawberry. Oh, there's a strawberry one, there's a hazelnut strawberry. one, and there's one with like a chocolate icing thing. I, I think I'll probably get that. That's right. Oh, interesting. Conventional strawberry. Oh, okay. Okay. And what would you buy for your friend? But oh, that's two pounds for That's two euros forty though, Jamie. So you've only got 60, 60 cents left for your friend. This is some. Is your friend just gonna this get sixty tough. cents? Oh
2: my God. For 60p, no. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, 60p. You said that like a right Londoner. Um, yeah.
2: So, I've been trained, and by trained, I mean mocked <laughs> by, um, uh, you know, pretty much every uh, consultant trauma surgeon at the Royal London and really? Mary's um, for hmm. my horrible English. Oh, um,
1: I thought your accent was quite good, actually. I'm- <laughs>
4: Oh, wow. I
2: mean, literally, I mean one consultant in particular who's on faculty at um, The Real London, and now I'm going <laughs> to make him watch it, literally has tried to get me to say the word proper Properly oh. for about two and a half, maybe three years now. It's a still a work in progress. Yeah,
1: I think the way you say it's be- way better. Way more yeah, yeah, it's as much of a proper. Ours yeah, it sounds, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sounds a
0: little bit like a fart, doesn't it? Proper. Like, it's bit like proper.
1: I mean, yeah, no,
2: proper. I, still can't, I, I can't do it right. So, yes.
0: Fair enough. Um, Honestly, you know, I, love, I love the way Americans say things. Like, when I went to Chicago and I went to book myself into the hotel, wow. she looked at my thing. Yeah. She looked at me. She looked at my thing and just, are you a doctor? And I thought, doctor i like the way you said that and i don't know what it was just so the way she said it was awesome i was like it feels good it feels good like yeah all right i'll take that i'll i'll be a doctor um yeah um
4: we can ruin
2: we can ruin tea we can ruin scones scones
3: (laughs) yeah
0: yeah that's what you were saying. We need to take you out to have some proper scones when you come to London. I've got to find somewhere good to go to. Yeah. So if anyone knows a good place to go to, do tweet us uh, a good place to go to for scones in London. So we need yeah, to take yeah, Jamie there. I
1: mean, yeah. I mean, I've seen some truly traumatic videos of American people making tea, where they kind of like got a tea... I saw this woman who like got a tea bag, put it into some cold water from the tap and then put it in the microwave and then heated it up. And I couldn't even get to the end of the video. I was so upset. I was so upset. It just, I just couldn't cope. <laughs> So I mean, no. I feel like
2: I shouldn't show my box of tea, but, I mean, luckily there's no video for this.
1: Yeah. Um, it's but it's green tea, know,
3: isn't
2: it? Yeah. It, it? It's green tea. But, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, typically I make it either with, um, you know, the hot water from the coffee pot, like just the hot yeah. water. Yeah.
4: Um, oh,
2: yeah. Sometimes if it doesn't work, then, yes, that's what we do. We pour water in it and then put it in the mic.
0: Okay, you're so cancelled. Oh, what? You're so cancelled. <laughs> wow. I know, it's so <laughs> terrible. Why would you do it to yourself? Um, wow.
2: Why did you I mean, wow. just- Americans clearly, like another consultant surgeon who uh, reminded me that, you know, really America started just by hissy fit. And clearly we were not um, right in the head because we wasted a whole bunch of really perfect <laughs> tea by That's throwing right. it into the, the like, who in our right mind would just waste perfectly good tea? And that's that true. is exactly. how our show was founded, y'all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do feel though that you're probably getting a slanted version of our history. If all of, all of your kind of experiences of English people are from trauma surgeons, though, in London, like they're they're they're, they're kind of like a different bunch in themselves they're a breed so.
0: they're a different breed so, yeah yeah they must be, they we're, must we're, be.
1: All, we're all um, a little bit probably uh, quite a lot quieter and meeker than that so they
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely don't hesitate making fun of my accent all the yeah. things that I say that's okay though
0: But I mean, you know, um, I think there was another tweet this week, actually, that was talking about. um, Yeah, I think, Jamie, you were saying that something that you probably wouldn't agree with too much when someone is giving your personal details to patients. And so Jimmy Lam, he said, I occasionally get emails to my NHS account from patients or relatives in G-Planned. GP general practitioner family medicine usually obtained after they had been copied into emails from other agencies social services etc etc so basically what's happening is they're getting patients start and contact them personally to be able to answer their questions and stuff like that and I think um you were saying that something similar happened to you and you weren't entirely happy about it I mean yeah well what's your experience been of this
2: yeah the the real issue with this at the the very core of this the issue is it should be your decision as to who gets your private contact information email Mm. and a work email i don't i guess i don't feel as protective about just because um i don't know are, are your nhs emails like open to public or no
0: not generally. They're so easy to figure out, though. Yeah. They're so easy to figure out. I mean, you know a oh first my first name and your last name, but, you know, first name, last name, put an, at NHS, and you're pretty much there. Yeah. 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 Whereas, I hard. mean, you
1: say it's easy to figure out, but if you've got a, a name like mine, then it's a bit of a minefield, and all it takes is one loose finger... And then, little, you know, <laughs> oh, and then, you oh, know, and then you've oh, got some other oh, thanusha oh, going to knee somewhere else. And then you're, you're one, one wrong there. vowel and you're yeah, like, and you're
2: exactly,
1: exactly to someone that's else. True. That's true. Um, yeah, but,
2: I, mean, uh, I just think it's, it's, it should be your decision. I have very occasionally given my cell phone number out to families. Um, mm. After there's a relationship that's been developed and there's also respect from both sides, um, mm. where I respect them, they respect me, they respect my time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's completely inappropriate. I mean emails are, again, I, I'm just not as protective about because I feel like like you said with the internet, you can find yeah. so much. But getting someone's mm. beeper number mobile, look at me number. <laughs> um, that's a dif- that's an invasion of privacy in my opinion, and that's yeah. an invasion of not just privacy, but space.
1: Mm. Yeah, definitely. Work for-
2: so much that then when you're not home, you know, and to then, and then I think part of it too is, I mean, I feel for patients. I mean, sometimes these systems are so difficult to navigate that they're just trying to find somebody to help them. And so it's hard, mm. like, kind of a bleeding heart, you know, in the sense of like yeah. – oh, I know you're really frustrated and you've sent this form in five times and it still hasn't been filled out or you don't know where to send the form in and you're not really trying to bother me. So again, I try to um, give people grace if that does happen. Um, Mm. But I think at the same time, it's okay to have that boundary.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, we were talking about this the other day,
0: Mean, yeah head? yeah i mean i was talking about like um, i mean through you've had situations haven't you where patients have contacted you or have they managed to get hold of you somehow
1: yeah i mean it's it's never been when i've given my number out but it's been through like switchboard mm. and it's usually i mean the few times it's happened it's usually been by other medics uh, as in mm. not as in yeah. uh, from other hospitals but wanting to find out about their relative
0: and then Mm, you're like oh it's another
1: minefield and then you kind of thought and I guess they're just kind of playing the game aren't they just trying to you know get like an update from somewhere yeah I think can you do
0: say something something happened to me where actually there was a person who had a stroke and um I got a phone call through switchboard saying this consultant wants to talk to you and I thought all right yeah fine and they'll say can you tell me about what you saw in the scan I was like I wrote it on the report like what do you mean what do you need to know because well how bad is it so I told him and he was like "Ah, that's my mum you know and I was like oh great actually yeah. Did, you know? yeah yeah exactly yeah. and i'm like great that's not you know you put me in that position now what am i going to do and thankfully it wasn't that you know i i think he he knew that he was taking the mick a bit i uh, just wanted the inside knowledge of what the scanner really showed and stuff and um felt bad for him it was a bad stroke but i i yeah it wasn't appreciated and that's happened to me a few times actually where someone's taken advantage of that
2: and yeah i think they yeah. just have to be up front because again it's a feel there's a difference when someone says. I'm mm. you, they acknowledge that this is a favor they acknowledge that this is on the outskirts of you know appropriate or whatever not but once they acknowledge mm. it and say hey could you do me a favor like that's a different feeling than feeling like you're getting taken advantage of
4: yeah so, exactly uh,
2: it's it just it's it's all in how you do it and how you ask and
0: yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it just, it, yeah, one one situation you feel taken advantage of, and the other one you feel like you're helping a, like a colleague out. And th- those are two different things. And in um, those situations happened a few times. I think another time someone said that we've got some previous imaging, we just send them upstairs for you to have a look at. And, they, you know, this, this is like proper films. They had to stick up on the light box. So the lady walks in and starts showing me this, and she asked me, what do you think? And I was oh, actually, and I was explaining, like, hey, if you look at the scan here versus what you see here, this is what it looks like. And it turned out she wasn't medical at all. She was a daughter. She was just, and the, the yeah, the doctor said, "Oh, just take it upstairs to this room, and you'll find the radiologist, and he will tell <gasps> you, you know." And I'm like, "Wow, man, that's why did you do that to me?" And it was just like, "This is this could go badly for me because now I don't know, like how much that family member is, is meant to know, yeah. like you know how how who are they? Are they are they? You know, what? there's so many things that could be going on there, and now I've been placed place in position. It was it was it was really bad, but thankfully again, um, nothing nothing came of it, and um, yeah, but it, it could easily go wrong.
2: Did you talk to the medic? You said that person. You know too? what? It's another, the the it's, exactly, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, it's another one of the situations where.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah, it's another situation. It's happened now. So what am I going to do? Like I was fuming, and then I just sort of like got over it and thought. And well, it's hopefully. it's called
2: education. It's called you know making sure it doesn't happen again.
0: Yeah, that's true. Person... That's true.
2: I'm a surgeon. Surgeons
0: are jerks. I mean, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'm a radiologist. I like to stay out of people's people's
3: "Ah, areas.
0: Yeah, Ah. yeah, yeah, just move on, get out. I'm done. Change my number. Change (laughs) Change where I live, et cetera, et cetera. Change my name to Kudwadina or something. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Um, But yeah, so. I mean where are we now? so we're yeah, coming up, up to, to the time. to the end? I mean, is there any any particular ones that we want to discuss? I, or... I thought
1: we should bring Go up on, one, yeah. which was so jazz syrup mainly because so Jamie, I know that you um, had a seminar today which was encouraging diversity into. Well, and women to, to be involved in trauma surgery. Mm. Um, and I just thought this kind of tweet was kind of interesting and also give you an opportunity to talk about the the webno- uh, which I think is awesome. Um, so Sira, she tweeted saying, ''Bias runs so deep, even, my, even in my own very large extended Indian family, ecstatic that I became a doctor. However, they assume I'm, I've become a GP. They can't quite comprehend that surgery is my love. I've been asked, how will I look after my husband and children? Can't do both.'' that I've somehow failed at life, as by the age of 30 I'm not married. My worth is not determined by my lack of husband. Indian families so complex, love the idea of a doctor in the family, but not the problems in inverted commas that it brings. Helping people doesn't Mm. even factor into it. And uh, she's done the hashtags, I look like a surgeon, women in surgery.
2: Mm. Uh, yeah, the, okay.
4: So, so, <laughs> Sorry. <it's multi-modal. laughs>
2: this is a good one. Um, first, before I forget, I got to put a plug in for Women in Trauma Surgery WITS, mm. WITS. It is international. We have members from all across the globe. And I think that. Oh, it's just, it's such an amazing group of women and it's really, it's a community. So if mm-hmm. you, um, are interested in joining, you can just type in women in trauma surgery, please join. It's just such a great community. There's great education, webinars, networking opportunities. It's just so good. Um, mm-hmm. and, and really the whole point of it is because of this tweet,
4: mm-hmm.
2: right? If you think mm-hmm. about it, like, why do I need a community? because there are people that don't feel like they have one yeah. because based on where they're located they may not have one hmm. and so jazz um if she listens um, I am you know I hope she joins I luckily already follow her she follows me so it's good send me send me um, I will tell you that my very first reaction which is you, know, relatively childish is how i look after my husband i mean (laughs) i hope that you would marry if you're going to marry a man uh one that is grown who hypothetically could you know look after themselves
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) totally
2: because again like to me like i mean there are different types of relationships for sure but a relationship doesn't should not and doesn't have to imply that you're taking care of them. Mm. And I think that's, again, where community for women in surgery and women in trauma surgery is huge because, you know, I love that quotation, comparison is the thief of joy. And the problem is when you live in a community where you look and no one looks like you, and I don't just mean on the skin or, you know, from an aesthetics or even from a gender standpoint, but your life doesn't look like anyone else's. And, you know, it's particularly interesting We you talking about women in medicine in that women in medicine, it's not just necessarily like a normal office, nine to five job. So our lives look different, but then you start kind of specializing. And, you know, even my pediatrician, who's amazing and who I love, but her life looks very different from mine. Mm. And so community is really built around having a group of people who I say like their house or their room looks like yours. You know what I mean? Like the furniture is kind of similar, like you have kind of the same vibe because it is important when you're having that day and you're learning how to negotiate childcare or even something just purely clinical at work, you can call someone who has been through or lives similar to you and has similar stresses, similar um, sore spots, similar conflicts, similar troubles. And there's such a huge value in that to where I would love for Jazz to be able to pick up the phone Mm. and call me or call someone else and be like, well, how did your family handle this? Mm. And to help Mm. give perspective where then again, giving her the tools to then go back and have that conversation again with the family, because I think some of it is. Sometimes people say things, they don't realize how it feels.
4: Yeah. There's a
2: person sit down and say, you know what? When this was said to me, this is how it felt. It hurt. Mm. It made me feel as if my value was tied to a ring on my finger and not to my gifts or my talents or my skills or what I do for my community. And it feels then that the value is not on me as an individual, but on me as a role as a Mm. title and you know I think trying to give her other people um I am not Indian so I don't and and I also very much recognize you know their cultural differences but I think I would love for her to have you know a Desi family you know of surgeons and how maybe they in particular you know um counteracted this Mm. um and so I love where she says, my worth is not determined by my lack of husband. And yeah. girlfriend, no, it is, it, it's not. <laughs> um, but it was just, mm. That was the first thing that struck me was like, how will I look after my husband? I'm like, well, shit, girl, Oops, sorry. Um, <laughs>
3: sorry.
2: <laughs> why, why are you marrying a child? Yeah, yeah. Like, why are you <laughs> marrying somebody who can't look after themselves? Like failure number one. Mm. Uh, mm. So, you know, I mean, uh, unfortunately, I wish this was rare. I, wish this was something that didn't happen often, but it does mm. as families as parents, we have expectations and hopes and wishes for our child and our children, which are often built on what we found value in and often what we experienced and think is important. And that's not doesn't always translate.. Um, mm. So. You
0: know, I think you touched a really important point here, and it's about you know having community. And um, mm-hmm. I, I've this is a recent lesson that I've learned that generally speaking, if you want to get somewhere and you want to get there quickly, then you find someone who's been there before, mm-hmm. or you find a community of people that have got a similar a similar mind frame. So obviously, okay. like I, I do run some businesses, and I've got a business coach, and that helps me sort of know how to do things. And and I never really understood that. And the same as like if you want to go to the gym and get big, you go get a personal trainer. That's the quickest way to get there. Or you could do it yourself. You could. You might be able to do. It. it might take you longer. It may be a lonely journey. You may need to meander a fairway, But the quickest way actually is to get someone else to who's been there before and done it and be able to help you. And so in this regard as well, like these things, thankfully, due to the internet and the way you know the the internet is, you don't it's not it's not such a lonely journey. It doesn't have to be a lonely journey anymore. Um and so for someone who's a, a female a woman, a woman who wants to go into trauma surgery, it's an amazing thing. I didn't even know this existed, but it's an amazing thing that this does exist. Because it means that you do if you do want to shortcut and, you know, have someone to talk to about this kind of stuff it's there for you. You just got to go put yourself right. out there and be ready to, to take on, take on, uh, you know, be part of a community and all that kind of thing. It's really nice actually. Yeah, It's really and cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, I think it's difficult because obviously you would hope that that community exists locally in in your school, in your hospital, in, you know, your family, et cetera, but it's okay if it doesn't, because there is mm. out there and I mm. 100% agree with you um the best way to you know be to approach things is to try and have a
4: team
1: yeah i think that's yeah. a really powerful answer yeah like mentorship is so important isn't it there are so we've got mm-hmm. a kind of um so Rashana midian stuffle she's a quite kind of she's a orthopedic uh, trainee and she's kind of i guess um someone who's probably one of the more prominent uh surgical um female um surgeons who kind of promote women in surgery. And there is a women in surgery UK a movement and uh, there's a women in cardiology movement. I think it's really good just to know that the kind of mentors and things out there and that kind of Twitter and social media just allow people to be a bit more contactable and connectable, that's awesome. Mm. Um, and I
2: tell everyone all the time, if you are a female and you aren't connected to a community, DM me on Twitter um, and I will help you find a community. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, Mm. And I mean, we're absolutely I think that's one of the good things about social media is that it makes the world smaller, which I think a lot of times is just so incredibly helpful.
0: Well, I, what I'll do, I'll, I'll pass your mobile number to anyone else. You know. yeah, please. That'd be great. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, five. Cool. I'm going to have to blank that out. Um, no, I'm just joking. No, so
2: guys <laughs> know uh, that song? It's a. It's sorry. There's like a. It's a song. It's eight six seven five three zero nine. Um, so it's okay. not a phone number. So don't worry. But, uh, oh, okay, fine. One of the worst pranks that ever got played on the... I was uh, as a intern, as a first year registrar anyways. And like, I finally gotten to the call room and I finally sat down. It was like two o'clock in the morning. I've been running like nonstop. Finally. And I even sat, didn't even get in the bed. I sat and I just put my head down. My pager goes off and I'm so tired. I just pick up the phone and I start dialing. And I'm like, who the heck is eight six seven five three zero? Oh my god! I'm
3: gonna
2: kill
0: somebody. <laughs> Why
2: would you do that to me? So no, you don't have to bleep it. So you're good.
0: Oh, okay. Wow, I did not know that. It's something yeah. cool. That's well well thank you so much um jamie really do appreciate um Good you time. spending your time i mean you spent a lot of time with us this evening i really really do yeah. appreciate it thank um you, so much. you know i know you i know you're busy you got a lot of things going on and if you if you do come to london uh, i'm gonna try and, I'm, i will genuinely try and find the best going place for you i'm yeah, gonna find yeah. that's gonna be let's my mission it. now but, until you get here no no no
2: we're, we're absolutely gonna do it yes <laughs> i will yeah, um, email you but i'll be there in about three weeks Ooh, um cool. okay
4: so done Again. done
0: sorted i'm gonna find something really nice for you, a nice place for scones and, and tea and english tea mm-hmm. that's what we're gonna to have to get you I cool know. um so quick a quick word to the sponsors thank you so much uh, it's lifeline uh lifeline healthcare group.co.uk uh, that's for any sort of local opportunities nurses or gps or doctors and also a medical accountant mah.uk.com if you're looking for a medical accountant um yeah so not really much more to say through any any uh, final words no thank you for listening and uh, yeah um thanks jamie. And, and jamie any 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 final words for you
2: no oh, just thank you this was a blast i love the format of this podcast it's so much fun this has oh. been a blast
0: thank, thank you for you. having me oh, that's really kind to yeah sick. thank you i mean you know it, it's a med-, med community that kind of fuels a conversation and uh it's a, it's amazing what you end up talking about there's some, yes. some things you can't even predict <laughs> but it's brilliant cool all right then everyone have a great week and uh we'll see you we'll see you next week all right then all right, bye